You're listening to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Welcome to our decodable text series. In this series, we will consider what the research says about decodable texts and how educators can effectively use decodable texts in classroom instruction. Today, we'll be talking to first grade teacher April Evans about how to use decodable texts during small group instruction time. Small group time in K2 is so important for teaching foundational skills, but this time of the day can sometimes feel messy. Let's learn more together by diving deeper into the use of decodable texts in small group instructional time to support accuracy, fluency, and comprehension. Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. Today, we're excited because we have a fabulous teacher here with us, and we are going to dive into small group instructional time. We're going to think about these questions and so much more. What happens during small group time? How can we use foundational skills assessment data to make decisions about the texts to use and what to do with each group of students? And what structures and routines can support accuracy, fluency, and comprehension? Melissa, this is like the stuff of dreams. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. <laughs> Me too. And and we have a teacher here today, which we are so excited about, and a teacher we've had on before. So mm-hmm. returning podcast guest, April Evans. And um, she is a fabulous first grade teacher in Aurora, Colorado. And today she'll talk to us about how she uses decodable texts in the classroom. So welcome, April. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you were on a previous episode. We'll, of course, link that for everyone who wants more April. But um, just share with our listeners a bit about yourself. Yeah. So again, my name is April Evans. I teach first grade. I've been doing that for quite a while now Um, in Aurora, Colorado. I'm in a K-8 school. Uh, I love seeing the progression throughout the grades. And um, Literacy has become my passion, uh, specifically since we adopted a new curriculum in our building, and it really opened my eyes to um, early literacy. So I guess I'm excited to share what I have found works best for me and my students in um, our, our small group setting. So we want to hear all about your small group instruction But before we get there, we want to zoom out a little bit and give everyone kind of a big picture of your whole literacy block, Um, because we get asked that question all the time, right? What, how do you fit it all together? What all happens? And so if you could give us just a little bit of an overview of the different parts of your literacy block, what curriculum is used and what kind of text are used in those different parts, and then we'll dive in. Yes. All right. Yeah. So um, we start our day with foundations. So our um, whole group tier one phonics instruction, we get about 30 to 40 minutes in uh, with that right away in the morning. And then we move straight into small group time. And so our small groups, uh, we used to have a lot of time for small groups, but as 
many have heard, you know, we want to maybe reduce the amount of time that students are spending working independently. So this year, our goal is to really structure that time down to 45 minutes tops with our students Mm -hmm. in small group. And so during that time um, in my classroom, I am using two types of texts. I'm using decodable passages, which are almost 100% decodable for students. They mainly come from foundations. And then also I'm using geodes, which are readable texts. And they are um, on the low end, 80% decodable, but they also go up to 90, 95% decodable um, at certain times of the year. Uh, Those texts are... um, students can apply their phonics knowledge in that, but then they can also build knowledge with those texts. And I can talk more about that later um, if you'd like. Uh, After our, (laughs) um, okay, awesome. After our small group instruction, then we start our wit and wisdom um, lesson. And so wit and wisdom is our core ELA lesson, uh, meeting those reading standards, uh, reading and writing standards. And We're using, you know, high quality, um, real texts published by authors. They weren't created for the curriculum. Um, They're that's the fav- my favorite part of the curriculum are the books. Um, and so we spend about 60 to 75 minutes of our literacy time in that whole group, um, tier one wit and wisdom lesson. And then throughout the day, we know we have math, we have SEL, uh, we have math um, stations, and then we also have a win time at the end of the day where we bring back that literacy, and it's uh, considered intervention. So all of the first grade students are split based on their reading needs, and um, we try to meet those in an intervention class. And real quick before we get to your small group too, the the wit and wisdom time that you have, those texts that you're using there, we hear this a lot too, especially in first grade, because they're like pretty complex grade level texts. Yes. Are they texts that students are reading more on their own or reading a lot? Are you reading them aloud? How, yeah, does, how so does that work? Yeah. So for first grade um, and for like K2, really, uh, these are texts that the teacher is reading to students. They are very complex Mm -hmm. texts. They are meant for adults to read to children. Uh, The vocabulary in some of them is even tough for me sometimes, um, especially (laughs) just thinking of a book. That book woman um, has some has some tough vocabulary. So we're reading that. We just did get done with uh, Green Eggs and Ham, which is in Mm -hmm. our first module, which is the one book that um, is really accessible for students. And they get to explore how they feel about a book that they can read. Um, But yes, mainly Wit and Wisdom for us at this age is uh, very complex texts where teachers are reading those to students. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I love to just situate in the purpose of each part of the block. So thank you for that. (laughs) Can we take a turn and dive into your small group time where you use decodable, readable texts? I know you mentioned geodes. I'm wondering if first you could talk a little bit about how you group students and maybe Mm -hmm. give us some examples. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when I group students, I want to base it off of their um, 
phonics needs at first. So I, I generally take my foundations unit assessment. So that's the big unit assessment. And I can really dig into um, their phonics knowledge. And so once I have students that are kind of, well, we are really struggling on these phonics patterns, or we're getting most of them, but I can see some gaps on these phonics patterns, and we have nailed it. We've nailed these phonics patterns. Um, I can generally group based on those because my first priority for uh, students in group is accuracy, right? Like we have to get those words read in the text um, before we move on to fluency and comprehension. And so that's why I want to base my groups on um, on their phonics knowledge. And then once I've got general groupings, I can really dive in deeper. If I can get them in a group and I can see how they're doing, I can fluidly move kids day to day sometimes. I say, you know, one one day a kid might be in group one and I say, you know what, I'm going to try you in group two. And so the next day we're moving to group two to see how they do. Um, I can also use more specific probes. Uh, we've been using the foundation's progress monitoring probes to really dig deeper into like the specific skills that students are, um, their strength is in and then their weaknesses are in. And so we um, uh, can really dig down into what their needs are to create some pretty specific groups around phonics knowledge. I will say after accuracy, my goal then would be fluency. So right now, specifically, I have four groups. Um, we have a smaller class size this year. So I would say most years I have five groups with about five students in them. And my group one is we are really struggling with phonics patterns. My group two is um, we have some gaps. We have the beginning of the year phonics patterns down pretty uh strongly, but in the current phonics pattern, they're they're struggling a little bit with that. And then my groups three and four, accuracy is not a problem for them. They can read up to our current phonics patterns um, and they do well at it. And so for those students, then I want to group on fluency. So I want to listen to them read and uh, find some next steps in fluency. And so, and then after that, I would group thinking about comprehension. Um, but again, first focused on on accuracy. I love that. And I love starting off from that phonics assessment mm -hmm. with accuracy in mind. And like everyone's getting that same tier one instruction. And then you're you're deciding what they need from there based on the assessments and really based on the daily instruction. I loved hearing you say that yeah. a student could be in one group one day and then another group the next day. That's super awesome yeah. for so many reasons. It I'm, would you want to share why that's that's great and why that's important? Um, I, you know, you just don't want a student s stuck in a group. We're not just grouping to group students. Um, we're, you know, at, we're hoping that they grow as a student um, in their phonics knowledge. So I'm hoping that all of these students are changing, you know, moving groups. Um, and really it helps me meet their needs in a, in a better way when they're with a group of students where all of the students in that group have a similar need, I can be more efficient, right? Um, and what I also thought about something, when you said daily, I can assess their needs. So in foundations, we typically have like a little exit ticket that we give them um, where they're writing down some words or it's a, it's a dictation, basically. And we uh, 
take that to group. And so then everybody in group one, I'm looking at how they did on their dictation and I can meet needs right then. I can see where we're struggling, what we did well, and we can work on that in group. And so I do that with um, all of my groups for that word work portion of the group. Yeah, it seems like it might be a good time to pivot into the small groups. Like, you know, we're, we're in the literacy block. We know what happens there. Thank you so much for sharing that. We know how you group your students. Now let's think about what happens when you pull your students over to you? I imagine you have a kidney table. I don't know if you do, but yeah. set the scene for us. You pull your students over. You've got those five groups of students. What happens then? Yeah, so... Every group comes over with their blue folder, and inside their blue folder, folder are decodable passages that we're working on. And these are the passages that I said they're, I mean, at least 90% up to close to 100% decodable. They bring that blue folder, um, and they leave that at the table. And then on the table, I have fluency work for them to work on. So it's letters, and they read those sounds as quick as quickly as they can. And then it's a list of words where whatever... It is that they're working on is what um, is the list of words that they get. So let's say tier one in my class right now, we're working on bonus letters or the floss rule. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody in small group is working on that because I really want to meet that gap. And so in group one, we are still working on CVC words. So they are getting letters and they are going to... Um, read those sounds as quickly as they can. And then they're going to work on a list of CVC words. In my group two, they're working on digraph and bonus letters. And then in groups three and four, they're, they're on that tier one level where they're working on those bonus letters. And so we take like one minute, you know, tops. It's quick, quick. Try and get that, um, that list read quickly. And then we move into word work. And so this is where I want to work on accuracy. And so something that I found that's easy for me that I can be accountable to myself with um, is Elkonen boxes. And so I have Elkonen boxes taped on my table. And so we go into words that they're working on. Group one, I give them counters and they set up three counters under three boxes. I give them a CVC word. They push the counters while saying the sounds and then they pull one down at a time and they write the letters. So we're meeting that sound knowledge and, you know, mapping that to the letters. Um, and so we do that for accuracy. Uh, group two, I've taken away the counters and so they'll write a word and it's kind of like a word ladder procedure where let's say the word is chip and I'll say change chip and make it say ship. So they have to analyze the word and decide which part needs to be changed and what they need to change it to. Um, and then, in, and I do that same procedure for groups three and four. So we get that accuracy piece worked on. I can also base that off of that exit ticket that I gave them in foundations. Uh, we might do some trick word work, so some high frequency words um, during that time. After we do our word work is when we go into that decodable reader. That decodable reader, because I really want them um, 
applying that phonics knowledge that we just worked on. So that decodable reader might change per group. Uh, so my first group has Peg and the Pup, and it's all about CVC words. And so we are working on reading that. Group two has Codfish. It's all about digraphs. It matches the word work that they just did. And groups three and four is the big mess. And it's all about bonus letters, which matches that word work that they just did. And so we spend some April, time. April, can I ask you really quickly? Yeah. When you say bonus letters, I think you said f- the floss rule earlier. Yes. <laughs> can yes. you just like quickly yeah, share so- what that is? <laughs> yeah. So um, the floss rule is FF, LL, and SS, and sometimes ZZ comes after a short vowel at the end of a word. So for instance, the word pass or toss or fluff. Um, those words. So that is our unit right now in phonics. Um, after we do the decodable reader, then, and it, and I really vary the amount of time that I spend on that. Uh, it depends on the group. My groups three and four, they breeze through that decodable reader in one minute. And so that's what we spend on it. You know, we're not going to belabor the process and make them read it again. Uh, Group one, we're going to spend a much more significant time trying to apply their phonics knowledge. And then my favorite part, we get to move into geodes, which is my students' favorite part. It's my favorite part. Um, Every year, I don't know, this is my... I think fourth year, I think, uh, using geodes. And so this is always our favorite part of um, small group. We get into geodes. And so what would you like me to, would you like me to talk about how I use geodes or? I have a quick question here. (laughs) So. Okay. Yes. I'm so curious because I think I would, in education, I feel like we often are like choosing one thing or the other, right? And I think people are like, mm-hmm. you either pick the decodable text that is 100%. That's what I think you should, you know, you should use. Or you should use this other text that's like a geodes text. And you use mm-hmm. both. And I think that is like, for me, right. it's beautiful because you have a purpose for both. Can you talk a little bit about what you see as like the, the purpose for each of them? Like, why do yes. geodes, if you have these other decodable texts, what, what does that bring to the table? And then, and then we'll get yeah. into more specifics of how you use it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so exactly. I have very specific purposes for a decodable text. I like to think about this using Scarborough's rope. So a decodable text really hits heavily on those bottom strands. We are talking about word recognition. And so I want students applying that phonics knowledge to a text that is highly, highly decodable. They can be very successful at it. And I know in the past we've talked about how decodable texts are not all that interesting or um, knowledge building or comprehension, those types of things don't exist in them. But really the the texts that we read can lend themselves to some comprehension, some basic comprehension, like what happens in this, who are the characters, the setting, Mm -hmm. things like that. But something that they do not include is knowledge building. And so Geode's texts are pulling in the top and the bottom strands of Scarborough's rope, we're focusing really heavily on the language comprehension strands. And so with geodes, we have this huge opportunity to build knowledge. And I'm not just talking about comprehension. Um, I'm talking about real world knowledge, right? There are very special texts where we are reading about the Library of Alexandria, and we are reading about the 
uh, cave paintings in France and real things around the world. Um, and so really my focus for those texts, yes, I want them to apply that phonics knowledge because geodes are built along the scope and sequence of foundations. So they do also match what we're doing in uh, foundations, but really my purpose for using those texts is to get that knowledge building and hit those top strands. Yeah, well, quick question. <laughs> what what happens with the 20 to 20, 12, I guess 15, 25% of words that are not necessarily decodable based on what you've already taught? What, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So in a geodes text, right, we've got Words that have been taught, we have vocabulary type words where they're um, specific to the topic that we're talking about. And then we have those words that are not yet decodable, uh, some trick words or foundations lingo is trick words, but, you know, high frequency words and things like that. My first, my only prompt that I ever give students is sound it out. And I don't mind them trying to sound out a word that is not yet decodable to them. And so when they come to a word, let's say, um, so the word time in library cat that we just read, the word time, T-I-M-E, is not yet decodable to my students. And so I want them to try to sound it out. And then I want to explain to them the rule of that word. If, if I understand the rules, sometimes I don't, I mean, English is tricky. Sometimes I don't understand some of the rules and these bigger words. Um, but I want to give them, say, I'm, I would say, you know, the E at the end, it's, we're going to call it a bossy E, and it's going to make that I say I, and we'll learn that later. So now try that word with the I sound. And so they would say T, I, mm. So they're still getting some work there. Uh, so that's what I, I like to do with, with words that aren't yet decodable. I'll give them the part that they're missing, but there's always some part that they can get. Vocabulary words, um, We can do the same thing. We can sound it out. But I do do a whole routine um, with vocabulary words, with introducing them and working with them because geodes are uh, awesome at including uh, high-level vocabulary. Let's dive into vocabulary now. And I think the thing that I think is important to say out loud is that all students are reading these texts. All students are reading both decodable texts that mm-hmm. they are reinforcing their foundational skills that they're learning in their tier one instruction. And then all students are also reading <laughs> geodes texts. Yes. Um, I'm sure there's some new nuances in each of those buckets that I just mentioned, but what I really, really think is important to stamp is that all students have access to both. And I don't know if you want to share like why that's important or any kind of like addition to what I just shared. (laughs) Yeah. And so what I want to say is, like I said, about the decodable meeting their needs. So I want that decodable to match the word work that we're doing in this group to, to try and close that gap. So the decodable passage changes per group. Not everybody is reading the same decodable passage. Geodes text I ensure that every single student in my class is reading the same exact text, um, the same exact geotext. I want to make sure that every child gets a chance to build knowledge and that we can have class discussions around the same knowledge being built. They can have discussions with each other uh, about library cat because they've all read it. It's not that, oh, I'm reading this book in my group and you're reading that book in your group. And so we can't really talk about it. Um, 
So it just provides this equity, right? Everybody gets to build that knowledge. uh, And we can actually do a lot whole group around vocabulary when we're all reading the same text. Now, I will say I do different things with the geode text for each group, right? So they're not all reading it in the same way. They're reading it a different way um, so that they can access that text because they are all working on different things. They have a different goal for their group. And I will um, use the text to meet that goal. Can you tell us a little more about that? Like, can you give us an example of how it might look different in the different groups? Yes. Okay. So in, I just keep saying group one, that's what I'm just going to call them by numbers. Group one is really working on CVC words and that accuracy. And so um, after we do their decodable reader, we're going to move into geodes. And I like to use the decodable reader protocol. Um, It's actually from Student Achievement Partners on achievethecore.org. And it's really simple. It's nothing, it's not hard to, you know, do or explain or anything. It just is a sliding scale of how much support a teacher gives to students when they're reading. So the most support would be teacher reads, students follow. A little less is echo reading. I read, then you read. A little less is choral reading. We're reading together. Then buddy reading, you and a another person in our group are reading together. And then independent reading, you're trying it on your own. So in group one, I would find, um, I also want to say that not every group has to read the entire text. Uh, so we, I might have group one read two pages, whereas group three is reading a couple more pages and groups three and four, they're reading the entire text in one sitting. So group one, um, we would start with I like to start with echoing. Uh, so, you know, we're, I'm going to find a highly decodable pages and we're going to echo read it. We're going to choral read it. And I'm going to make sure and say, or I'm, as we're reading, I'm going to stop and ask them to sound out words that I know might be tricky for this group. And then I'm going to let them try that independently. Okay, so that's really working on accuracy. Uh, then I've got groups... Um, you know, two and three, where we're still working on accuracy. Group three, we might move into fluency. And so I have um, my first step of instruction for fluency is on phrasing. And something that's beautiful about geodes are in first grade, and I believe kindergarten as well, um, at the beginning of first grade, the lines are already set up in phrases for us. So it's not an entire sentence printed. It's not a paragraph printed. It's a phrase. And then under that, another phrase. And so it supports that reading. And so I would instruct on phrasing. And then I might instruct on expression. And then um, so later in the year, last year, this has always been an area of growth for me, Um language structures, like syntax and semantics. This is something that I am personally uh, trying to become better at and working on. Um, I'm actually reading um, the reading, what is it called? The Reading Comprehension Blueprint. And I think you guys have talked about that before. Oh, yeah. It's, but it's in the mail to it's on us our list. right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, so I'm currently reading that to try and get better at those top strands. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
So once my students accurately reading, they're fluently reading, I don't want to just stop with comprehension, text-based questions. I can give them a question. They can find the answer in the book and provide me evidence, but I can't stop there. I want to dig deeper um, at the sentence level. And so geodes lend themselves very well to getting into the syntax and semantics in a sentence. And so I tried last year where we will we'll read the text and then we'll go back to one sentence and we'll spend some time really mm-hmm. digging into what the author is meaning, what they're saying, what this word means. Um, and so, yeah, so that's some different ways that I, that I take my groups and, um, try to meet needs. And then there's also some vocabulary uh, instruction that I do with them. April, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it's so important to think about the sentence level construction. I know we talked Mm -hmm. with the authors of the writing revolution about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And Natalie Wexler just recently put out a piece about that, which I think when this podcast comes out will not be so recent, but (laughs) (laughs) we will, I'll link it in the show notes. And uh, I think it's really important to just share that you're still working on that. Like, thank you for sharing that. I'm still working on it too. It's something I feel like I'm still continuing to learn and grow in because I don't think that you can ever know everything about that. Like what does combining always look like? Yeah. I feel like I didn't, I don't remember learning about this type of stuff. Maybe I did. I probably did, but I'm trying to relearn it for me now so that I can teach my students. So it is definitely an area of growth for me for sure. Absolutely. And I just want to say, I love how flexible you are with all of this, right? You have to be flexible with, you know, your mm-hmm. which groups your students are in, what you're doing with each of the groups from day to day. And I know that's really hard as a teacher because it involves a lot of continuous planning, right? It's not like you can just sit down on a weekend and knock out <laughs> four weeks of planning because oh, yeah. you have to like keep an eye on where your students are every day. Um, so kudos to you for, for doing that hard work. <laughs> I am wondering um, about, so I know in, you know, this science of reading movement, we're always looking at the, what does the research say? What does the, what does science say? But I am curious from a practical perspective, because I think it's just as important, like what happens in the classroom. <laughs> so mm-hmm. for you, April, like w- using these decodable texts, what do you actually like, what do you see happening with your students? Like what's, what's the outcome for your students for from using these different types of texts? Yeah. Uh, well, I see confidence first of all. So when they come to a text where they know that they're going to see those patterns in it and they know what to do when they come to a word they don't know and that they can solve it, they get excited, right? Mm-hmm. So it creates confidence. They see themselves at reader as readers. They want to read these books. Um, I'm also seeing, you know, knowledge building. I love that we get to read a geodes text that is connected to the same topic that we're working on in Wit and Wisdom. So right now in Wit and Wisdom, we're talking about uh, libraries around the world and how people, how books change lives. We're also talking about stories and books and all of this in geodes. And so they're making those connections. Uh, We can have conversations. So the discussion that's happening in group is huge. They're able to use vocabulary, you know, that they wouldn't, that I wouldn't normally see. Um, So there's a lot happening. (laughs) 
Yeah. Lori, I can't, do you remember, it reminded me of what Julia Lindsay was talking about. I think it was Julia that's talked about, you know, the idea behind a quotable text is to get to that confidence point that April just mentioned. Do you remember like that, that students feel that like, that they can work out what words are on their own, that it's not like a mystery? Am I making it up? I'm gonna have to go back and listen. I don't, <laughs> don't remember that. Spe- I, I have already listened to those either. twice. So. <laughs> it might have been a different one. Don't don't quote me on it. But but I think that's really important that what you're saying is that you know that you know this gives students the opportunity to to you know this is the place where they're like I can do this. You know I can come to a yes. word and I can figure it out. Like I don't have to just. Mm-hmm you know, feel like yeah. a failure <laughs> if I don't know what so a word is. So much of that makes me think about the vocabulary. And April, I know that you wanted to share a bit about that earlier. Well, you asked if, if it was a good time earlier. It, yeah. I think now might be a good time. Can you share a little bit about okay. that? Yes. So vocabulary is huge in geodes, right? It's uh, it's a trend throughout the book. So we'll see the same words over and over again throughout multiple books because they're in a set, right? They're about the same topic. Um, And so we will define words. So on a pretty basic level, we'll define vocabulary words. But something that I started doing last year that I get really excited about because it's just worked. It's just worked really well. And so when something works in the classroom, you get excited about it and you want to keep doing it. Uh, What I do is I'm going to call it, I think it's called concept mapping, where you have a topic and you record all of the things that you know about that topic. Um, and so after concept mapping, then we do categorizing. And so this is whole group, and which is beautiful since we're all reading the same geodes text. We can do this whole group. I don't have to do it five different times in a small group. Um, so before our groups, uh, not every day, once, twice a week, I will... Um, bring out our vocabulary uh, cart, I call it. It's just a, a sentence holder thing. I can't remember what they're called anymore. They hang up. They're blue. You can put sentences on them. I know. it. I can picture what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's like an open, it's like an open chart, right? right? Yes. Like an open yeah. pocket chart. Isn't it a pocket, a pocket chart? chart. A pocket chart. You're welcome. There we go. That's right. Thank you. So I bring out our vocabulary pocket chart. And for this one, I said, books. Tell me anything and everything you know about books. And I'm going to write it on a card. And every time you say something, we're going to put it on this chart. And so I got, I remember the very first thing they said was paper. And I was like, yes, paper. Books can be made of paper. And so I wrote down paper. They said pictures. I wrote down pictures, letters, colors, characters, settings. Um, I got, someone said nonfiction, fiction, uh, this was kind of cute. They love I spy books in here. So someone said, I spy. And so I write it all down, right? There's no right or wrong answer to this. And so after we have a chart full of words, we go a step further, which this is a little harder for students. But I say, do you guys see any words that you could put together in a group where there's something that's similar about them? And so we put all of the story elements together, character setting, problem resolution. They put pictures, paper, colors, letters together. They put library and biblioborough together. Uh, And then the harder part, then after that, another step up is what would we title 
this group. So for the story elements, we titled it story elements. For um, the picture, paper, colors, letters, we titled that um, things in a book. And then types of libraries and types of books had um, I spy and fiction and nonfiction. And so we've got this already, this this idea kind of mapped out about books. And now I take that to my group and I want to apply those vocabulary words from the geodes text. And so one of the words was story. They hadn't thought about this word already. And so I showed them story. We talked about where story, what story is. And then I showed them the chart and I said, where would story fit into our vocabulary chart? Where could we put this? And so we didn't have to create a new group. They said it would fit into a type of book. And so I agreed, you know, so we put story into a type of book. The next book we added Grimm Brothers, G-R-I-M-M, you know, the Grimm Brothers that do the fairy tales. Um, And so we created a new uh, category for that one. The Grimm Brothers got a new category and those are people who write books. And then what was the last one? Oh, yesterday, um, our vocabulary word was scroll, uh, S-C-R-O-L-L, so a rolled up book. And so that was a new concept for them. They were like, that's not a book. And I said, well, a long time ago it was. Uh, and so we talked about what a scroll is. We made a scroll with a piece of paper. And then mm-hmm. we talked about where would scroll go in our vocabulary chart? And so we put scroll into a type of book to fit with story and, you know, other types of books. Um, So for vocabulary, that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, Again, these are those top strands are really an area of growth for me as a teacher. Um, But this is working really well. And as kids hear new words that they um, that they're reading in a book, they'll suggest even if they can, they'll ask to see if they can put that on the vocabulary chart. So, um, Oh my gosh. I am so excited by this because I think it gets at something that I think about a lot and that I think that we spend some, a lot of time debunking on this podcast is the idea of activating prior knowledge and Mm. building knowledge that those two things are very different. (laughs) Activating prior knowledge is not the same because it, also could be incorrect, right? So there's lots right. of lots, lots of rabbit holes we could go down there. But activating prior knowledge and what we already know about something or we think we know about something is very different than building knowledge. And a lot of times I think in that Scarborough's rope for folks that have not engaged with high quality materials that really do build knowledge, it's like activating knowledge gets almost subbed in as building knowledge. And right. it, it worries me for, for what's out there in the world of, of knowledge building. I'm like, Oh, it's not quite knowledge building. You know, we're not building knowledge over time. Like you're saying, right. Um, or like the example that you just gave, but we are activating prior knowledge. And in your case, building knowledge and merging those two really beautifully and helping students connect the dots between 
spaces of prior knowledge and building knowledge. Yeah. And also as a side note, I did find um, a Reading Rockets uh, piece that I've linked in the show notes already that's uh, about how to use a concept map, like you just explained in case anybody needs a refresher, but you did a great <laughs> job, April, explaining it. And they also have a couple templates on here. So just a little plug for the show notes to check out that piece um, to download some blank templates for concept maps. So you can be strategizing vocabulary and connecting and activating background knowledge to building knowledge, just like April is. So little plug there. (laughs) And I will say some of those templates later in the year, once we have a solid grasp on this uh, activity and routine, I will have them do that independently uh, with a word. So I will give them the the topic or the concept, and then I will have them create words and categories themselves. So it's also a fun um, independent activity that is what I think worthwhile because not all independent activities are. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fair. I'm just going to also connect, Lori, this this episode I do remember, even though it was probably over three years ago at this point, with Natalie Wexler, and she talked about those, like the Velcro balls. Do you remember this one? And how I do remember the Velcro <laughs> balls. I don't think I will forget that because it was so sticky. I, that's uh-huh. all I pictured. That's what I pictured <laughs> while April was saying that. Like she like, um, you know, all the all the balls they already have. Right. You like got them all ready. <laughs> all the all the balls already in their head. And then you started attaching these new ones to what they already know. Right. And that like how powerful is that for building knowledge when you're like not just throwing something new at them, but attaching it to something they already know. And oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, April, is there anything else about your small group instruction, your use of decodable text that you want to share? Oh, my. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I've I've talked about decodables and geodes texts uh, and just the the power of um, every student in my class reading the same text is super powerful. Uh, we can have some really good discussions and I just love geodes. They're just, there's nothing else like them out there. Maybe there is, but I haven't seen it where my <laughs> students can apply their phonics knowledge at the same time of building this amazing world knowledge. And I will say I have learned so much from a, the geodes text, um, I, I guess I didn't mention that there's two parts to the text. So there's the text that students are expected to read. And then there's the more section. And the more section is supposed to be an adult reading to the student. So um, it's got some good vocabulary. And it's just more about that topic. And that's my favorite part. You get to learn mm-hmm. a ton um, from these texts. So, Yeah, I really love the idea of you learning something too, because I feel the same way every time I read geodes. I'm like, oh, so much fun to read and learn. Um, But I also want to just stamp for anyone listening out there, the difference between decodable text and geodes text. So decodable text, April is using them in the way that they're reinforcing foundational skills. Um, She's differentiating based on the needs after students have already received tier one instruction with those foundational skills. And then the geodes are readable and decodable texts to build knowledge where every student has access to that knowledge. Every student is reading geodes for a specific purpose. All students may not be reading the whole book every single day, but that's okay because they will read it over time. And so that's what I think is important to note here. I I can't remember if you said it today, uh, April, but you did say it in our pre-call. You said that they would maybe read a part 
um, on a Monday and Tuesday and then a part on, you know, Wednesday and then another part on Thursday. And then they've read the whole thing throughout the week. Whereas another group of yours may have read half the book on Monday, half the book on Tuesday. And then by Wednesday, they've quote read the whole book. So uh, I didn't, is there anything that you want to say about that? Because I think that's important to kind of note too, that not only do the sections look different, but the way that you approach the book looks different. Right. Right. So these, these texts, the geos text comes in a box with a four different texts for this uh, topic that we're working on. And so within that set, they're all working on the same phonics skill. And so, like you said, my groups one and two who are really working on accuracy, they're going to spend a lot of time in one of those books throughout the whole week. So they'll do a five day read groups three and four starting on Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to switch them over. They've already read that book that everybody else has read. I'm going to switch them over to a new, to the next book in the set. And I'm going to have them read that next book in the set uh, to, you know, build some more knowledge there. Now, my other groups are not missing out on that knowledge building because they do have, they are reading those books during independent time and I am reading them to them. We're doing whole group stuff where if I ever have a minute in the day, we'll just, we'll pick up a geodes text and we'll read it and we'll talk about all the things that we just talked about, how new vocabulary, all this stuff. So, um, Yes. So I'm either doing like a five day read with students or a three day read and about one to two books a week. That's so helpful. Thank you. I know this is so, so exciting to hear what is actually happening in a classroom. I I said this before we got on, but April's like, I'm just telling you what I do every day. But to us, it's like so exciting. And to our listeners, it will be too. I I think I've, I've pestered you, Melissa. I've been like, I really want to have this conversation. I know. I really want to have this conversation. in the classroom? (laughs) Well, April, Um, we know that you have to go pick up your students soon (laughs) as, as teachers can relate to, but do you have a few minutes to answer some fun questions with us? Of course. Of course. Okay. We're going to do this speedily, I think. Right, Melissa? Yeah. (laughs) Speed round. Speed Speed round round. for you, April. So these are fun questions. Whatever comes to mind, no pressure at all. (laughs) All right, April. First question is, what do you love to read? For you, not necessarily Uh, geodes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really, the only thing I have been reading for the last couple of years is books on teaching reading. Uh, Every text that you guys have had on your podcast, I've bought it. Um, I have them waiting and lined up for me to read. I've got them all. And so right now I'm actually trying to do that, um, the reading blueprint. It's a it's a thick, heavy book to (laughs) like dig into a lot of info in there. So I'm spending some time on that. Yeah. We can relate to this. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. A little, little different here. What do you love to watch? Ooh, um, I'm all about the series on like Netflix and HBO. And right now I am actually trying to get through Game of Thrones. I had never seen it. Oh, nice. And I uh, started it a couple weeks ago. I'm on season three. And so, yes, I love, uh, I, I like Game of Thrones. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never seen it either. I feel like maybe that's sacrilege to say right now. But <laughs> I was late I to Game of eaten. Thrones too. I watched it when I was on maternity leave because I had some more time. <laughs> uh, yes. There is a soccer team in my adult league that named themselves Game of Throw-Ins. And I thought that was pretty fantastical. It's <laughs> like regardless of if I've seen it or not, very creative titling. <laughs> 
Okay, what do you love to listen to? Uh, uh, podcasts on literacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like if I'm listening to something. Oh my gosh, I I have a, I might have a problem, ladies. Um, <laughs> I listen to every episode that you've that you've put out the science of reading podcast all of that stuff um yeah that's what I listen to <laughs> which that all what you just said takes a lot of time so yeah. we totally get that because we do the same yes. <laughs> walks and drives walks and drives is when I do that so. yes yes all right final question here why do you do what you love for literacy or for education oh man I do what I love, you know, for literacy, it's, um, it's a right that every child has, and it is uh, so important to set up their success later in life. And so I, I love to see them succeed. And, you know, what we're doing at our school now really helps them do that. So we're seeing a lot of success. Well, we are so grateful that you came back to have this conversation with us. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank well, you for, for sharing having me. with other teachers. We appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for listening, literacy lovers. To stay connected with us, sign up for our email list at literacypodcast.com. And to keep learning together, join the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast Facebook group and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If this episode resonated with you, take a moment to share with a teacher friend or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just a quick reminder that the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Great Minds, PBC, or its employees. We appreciate you so much, and we're so glad you're here to learn with us.